0: Because ultimately, the relational circle that you are in, the room that you are in, will determine the level of success you have in your life, the level of freedom you have in your life, and the quality of relationships you'll have in your life. Everything, as far as I'm concerned, is about relationships.
1: How is it going ladies and gentlemen, this is Sean Barnes. I want to welcome you back to the way of the wolf. Our guest today is a gentleman named Gabe Alexander. He is a visionary entrepreneur who actually has multiple businesses. He focuses on leadership and forging men into leaders. This is something that we need a lot more of in society today. So I cannot wait to get into this. Gabe, welcome to the way of the wolf
0: sean thanks so much for having me it's a pleasure to be here a privilege and uh, i really appreciate you not only inviting me but giving me the trust to share with your followers and i know that's a valuable thing so thank you sir
1: all right man i'm really looking forward to this so talk me through forger of men and we'll get into your history and kind of what got you here but tell me the the origin of this and how you came to find yourself wanting to to focus on this
0: Man, that, that's a deep question. I'll try not to go too deep into the story, but um, you know, just a, a little bit of background. I, I was raised around men. I'm the first of five boys. My parents really raised me outside of the box. Uh, they home educated us. We weren't inside the public school system. And uh, being raised that way and raised with a lot of brothers all in the home, I kind of naturally took on the role of the older brother protector. Actually, it's funny, but my name, Gabriel, actually means man of God or messenger of God. And the name Alexander means defender of men. And those are both given names. Uh, And those sort of just embodied who I was as an individual from the time I was young. Additionally, my parents were communicators. My father was a minister for 35 years. And so um, being around that on a regular basis really showed me what leadership was. It was, especially in the church, you know, you show up early, you stay late. And so you get in the habit of leadership is not just telling people what to do. It's showing them how to do it through example and through action. And I'm sure we've all experienced both versions of uh, of the word leadership, or at least both definitions that we've all seen. Uh, but over the years, I think that You know, it was really cool to be raised in a family that was raised or that was really shaped and operated traditionally. My father was a very, very strong man, strong masculine leader. My mom was actually a very strong woman who needed a strong man to be able to lead her effectively. And rather than putting kind of the kibosh on us being boys and our masculinity – they didn't try to domesticate us. As a matter of fact, they tried to really curate that in us, that, that wild creativity that was outside of the box and that didn't want to sit still and follow all the rules and do everything like everybody else did. And so that was a very unique culture that I grew up in that not a lot of people get to experience. And over the years, I really saw a difference in the way that my brothers and I operated in comparison to a lot of people around me in society. And, of course, you know, over the years, I began to see as our culture has become more fatherless, um, definitely more detached from traditional values, I started to see that difference and that gap grow and grow. And I'm sure you've seen it, too, over time where you're just it used to be very clear who was a man. If you look at old photos of men in the 60s, 50s, 60s, 70s, you go, okay, that's a man. You look at photos now and you go, "I I don't know what it is or somebody walking down the block even you know, a couple blocks away from me walking toward me now, I go, is this a guy or not? And not only that, but just watching the average behavior of the average male over time, there's been a clear change over time in how men are leading, how men are behaving, how men are providing. And I noticed that over the years. Uh, by the time I was about 20, 21 years old, I-, I didn't really know what to do with my life. I felt that I had that I was gravitating toward helping men. So I actually got into coaching sports. I was a paid coach, high school basketball coach for a period of time. And I actually fell in love with helping young boys get into, at the beginning of the season and taking who they were and seeing this drastic change take place in them throughout the course of a season where I had these soft kids at the beginning who weren't willing to take a shot in the mouth or in the chest or whatever. And then by the end, these kids come out of the game bleeding and going, how did I do coach? and uh, really attacking and attempting things they normally wouldn't have attempted or tried. And I think we've probably all had men in our lives like that. I know I did. Um, Most men have certain people in their lives, throughout their lives that help them achieve, grow and challenge their weak points. And I just fell in love with that process. And then uh, actually I was, I remember being about 20, 21 years old. I was coaching high school basketball at the time. And I actually got an envelope from my mom and she had cut out a, you know, cut out of a magazine. If you remember, not having text messages with photos, but she sent me this cutout that said something about, you know, she had written on it about, man, I, you know, I hope your future or your future is bright. I hope you know it. I hope this helps. And it was a cutout of an article about future jobs or jobs of the future that were going to be coming back, or at least becoming very, you know, uh, helpful or, or popular over time. And one of them was life coaching. And my first response, I think like everybody else who hears that or or thinks about a job that they would really love or a thing that they would really love to contribute to people, we all go, who's going to pay me for that? You kind of doubt your own ability to go and do that, and and that's kind of what I dealt with. I dealt with a lot of fear, a lot of um, probably self-doubt in those areas, and so I kind of pushed it to the back burner and didn't listen to it even though something inside had been sparked. And – a couple of years later, uh, I had had a construction company at the time, actually. I was I had a construction company that I started when I was 19 years old. I always had a knack for business. I was in it for a period of time, but I never really felt like I was fulfilling ultimately my purpose, destiny, and calling. And I think we've all, again, been there. You get into a job that you don't necessarily love. It's what works. It may work for a period of time, but then after a period of time, you're going, this is just an income. This isn't necessarily my passion. I don't necessarily feel like I'm making an impact in the world. And I was in that for a period of time in my 20s, probably hit my mid-20s, and I was very frustrated, not knowing what to do. But I had also found that around the same time, I had reached the ceiling that I felt my own father could get me to. Now, with the world that we live in, with with a fatherless generation. I mean, we've got a lot of absent fathers. We also have a lot of fathers who are present, but also absent in their responsibility to father and train their children. Um, I began to get frustrated even having a good father in my life going, how do I get to the next level? How do I decide what is next for me? How am I supposed to take these steps forward? Right? We've all been there. How do I take these steps into the next place? Who's going to give me this answer? How do I find it? And so, I think, ultimately, my purpose, like most of us, our purpose ends up being found in the pain of our past. And I spent that those 20s, early 30s even, very frustrated not knowing what to do with myself. And then, of course, 2020 rolled around. And when 2020 rolled around, I wouldn't have in any of it. I experienced what a lot of people, probably listening experience, you can't go to work, you gotta put this on your face, you gotta bow, to, bow the knee to whatever, and mandates and whatnot. And I was living in Seattle at the time. And I just, this thing rose up in me to say, absolutely not, that I'm I'm not complying with any of this stuff. This is nonsense. I'm a free individual. But what really got me into and, and caused me to make the decision and snapped me into what I really needed to do with the rest of my life was looking around me in 2020 and going, where are the other men? Where are the men who are willing to stand up for themselves? Where are the men that have the means to say no? Where are the men who are leading their families, thinking for themselves and not advocating their responsibility to teach, train and even understand their own health? Where are these men? And in that moment, I was actually verbalizing a lot of frustration to a coach that I had hired, a bit of a mentor who, you know, I got to that place in my life early 30s. And I went, I need another father in my life because my dad couldn't really walk me through to that next level because he had taught me what he knew. And so I had a man in my life at the time who said, Gabe, it's great. I'm glad you're frustrated with this. It's a good thing to be passionate about. But what are you going to do about it? And it's probably the question that we all need to be asked when we're in that place of complaining about something or seeing a need in the world and not knowing how to fulfill it or, or how to find it. And I really decided to just take that responsibility upon myself and answer what I felt was a deep call within to go about helping men forge themselves into self-governed leaders. So that's the short story. I could go a lot longer, but in short, the fear that I was experiencing was so high in probably fulfilling my destiny and calling earlier, and then my, my level of pain and frustration had to exceed the fear I was experiencing to push me to make a decision. So all in all, that's really what caused me to do it.
1: Man, okay, there's a lot there that I really wanna dive into. The first thing that probably resonated the most with me is you had mentioned the comment of fatherless societies. And this is something that for the formative years of my life, didn't have a father. My mom ended up remarrying whenever I was about 10 and he adopted me. Uh, His name was Lamar Barnes. He was the best thing that ever happened to me in my entire life. Before that, being raised by a single mother, I had been, we'll say, there were probably too many feminine traits just being raised by my mother and grandmother. And whenever my mom married Lamar, and he was probably as manly as they come, hunting, fishing, shooting, just as manly as they come. And he quickly whipped me into shape. It's like, okay, yeah, no, we're not going to do this. We're not going to do this. Yes, you are going to play football. No, you're not going to do that. And at the time, I didn't care for it. But looking back, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. And I think it's unfortunate that we're seeing this trend in society today where there are more and more fatherless homes. It's, it's very unfortunate to see. And the result, I think, is this weakening of society. And then when you combine that with toxic masculinity in this push of masculine traits are somehow toxic we're we're not going in a great direction in in my opinion and so that's one of the reasons that I wanted you to come on the show is because everything that I'm seeing from you everything that you're doing which we're going to dive more into this stuff we need more of this in the world today another thing that I do want to touch on is life coaching. And it sounded like there's a little bit of imposter syndrome. Who would want to pay me for this? And it's easy for us to fall into that trap of having imposter syndrome. But when you have enough people coming to you, soliciting guidance and advice and feedback, there's, there's definitely something to that. And as a man, we need to be able to recognize that and step into it and embrace it And fulfill our calling and purpose in life.
0: Absolutely. I mean, look, there's a lot there. And talking about fatherlessness, I think if you are are seeing where the world is right now and you're not recognizing the patterns, I'm not sure if you're ever going to recognize them. I mean, what we've seen, especially over the last three and a half years, has been extremely eye-opening to a lot of people. Even me, I was very aware watching society and over the course of, you know, the 20 years when, you know, I I turned about, I don't know, 15, 16 years old and started to kind of notice this decline. Obviously, you see the divorce rates rising, but you see the, the more lack of masculine males around. I noticed it heavily. But even in, you know, 2019, 2020, when everything kind of hit the surface of what was going on under the surface and it finally made itself obvious, it even snapped me out of a bit of a slumber where I had been very quiet about what I believed. I had been very silent about a lot of my values and I just went to work, did the job, just planned on raising my family and taking care of my own responsibility and focusing just on that. I think we can all get caught up in that of just go to work, mind your business, mind your home, and that's it. Now, I think that's a great value to have, but when you see society or society around you going through this decay that we all are recognizing or hopefully the majority of us are recognizing you have to point to it and go something's causing this 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 isn't just the the thing the, the way things normally end up this is not the way things normally unfold and no matter what way you want to cut data if you look at children that have an active father in their life you can predict their future in many ways and God bless single mothers. You had a single mother. By the way, you didn't tell me this story when we first met. And I think it's actually—I think it's amazing that you actually – I'm noticing your last name. You took your stepdad's last name. That shows uh, – He adopted that's me. That's incredible, man. I, I, Anytime I see those videos online where a guy he tells his stepdad – I saw one the other day, some college football player. He walked up to his stepdad at a tryout or a practice, and he handed him a stack of papers. And his stepdad was like, what are you doing? And he said – I love you. I want to take your last name. He turns around, points to the name on the back of his jersey, and he'd put his stepdad's name on the back. I lose it every single time. But I think this, this nation and this world is in a serious place. We're in a, a serious situation here, and I think we have to recognize that men are the key. We are also the problem in that I think we've tolerated a lot of things. We've tolerated things in our own life we shouldn't tolerate. We've tolerated laziness. We've tolerated complacency. We've tolerated not having a vision or a purpose. We've, we've tolerated not being disciplined and working hard. And society over time has become more feminized. I think single moms are amazing, but the reality is that women are the knitters of society and men are the shapers of society. And so when you've got a female dominated society, one of the biggest things that women value is getting along, being at peace and being nice to others. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't be kind, but men are not interested in their conversation so much in making sure that your feelings aren't hurt. We're, we're interested in making sure that we're communicative and that we're clear, right? And so we've got an entire society that has been, I mean, 50% of marriages or 56% of marriages now end in divorce. The moms tend to take care of the children because kids when they're young specifically need that caretaker gift that women have and women don't create men they help raise children but ultimately when it's time for a boy to become a man or even a little girl to recognize this is what a man is you need a man to show you that and we've lost that in society and it's it's an epidemic it's creating a lot of problems for sure. And if you even look at the prison population, I think it was in the mid nineties, this the stat was 85% of men incarcerated in prison in this nation have no re, no relationship whatsoever with their biological father. If you even look at the data between single father households and single mother households, single mother households can almost guarantee that a child ends up in one of two places, poverty or prison. And And look, moms are great, but we're seeing now too, even in families where you've got an intact mother and father who have abandoned their children to the school system, who are the majority of teachers in the school system? Women, right? So we hand our kids off to women in preschool. We then hand them off to the school system when they're what, seven years old and they get to keep unfettered access to your children for 40 hours a week, all the way through high school, 85% of their life up to the age of 20 years old has been spent around women raising them. Now, again, I'm not devaluing women. Women have amazing value. I've been married 18 years. My wife's incredible. She's an amazing woman, but my children need their father, not just to love them, hold them, hug them, but to protect them, to show them that the world is not necessarily easy and to show them the type of man that needs to exist in the world in order to shape the future so i hope that you know answers your question at some level at least with what i see
1: it does let's dive into this statistic around marriage a little bit 56% of marriages end in divorce and i mean depending on what information you look at that could be 55 it could be 58 60 50 whatever but the reality is over half of marriages end in divorce why do you think that is
0: ooh i think there are a few reasons i mean First and foremost, the marriages, if you if you want to just base it on data, the marriages that stay intact are marriages that are typically based around shared values at the core. If you went through 2020 in the U.S., you saw a lot of marriages end or come under serious strain because the two spouses had vastly different values when it came to being told what to do. I had a friend whose wife went and got double vaccinated behind his back while pregnant with their child after he told her they weren't going to do it. All right. So whether you went and got a shot or not is up to you. That's not the point that I'm making. I didn't get it. I don't think you should. But if you did, that's up to you. It's your choice. But to watch spouses be married for seven, eight, nine, ten years and then come to this point where there's a point of disagreement and go completely opposite directions. How did you not know this person? You lived with this person for almost a decade and did not realize that your values were not on the same page? Ultimately, everything comes down to values, right? Every culture and society is shaped by by values and values come from faith. Whether you wanna call it religion or not, you know, you call it what you want, but the reality is that religions and faith shape culture because religions and faith shape values. So when you've got people that have no common anchor of truth together to hold their lives together, when conflict comes, you're going to see them part ways. And obviously our society has been become more OK with it where, oh, you got a divorce. No big deal. You know, it's, it's something to move on from. And I honestly think that's that's a complete shame. I, I think that it's that's devastating not only to children, but society as a whole. And I know there's probably some people listening that have been divorced, and that's not condemnation, but it's also not the way things are supposed to be.
1: For better or worse, till death do us part. Absolutely,
0: and look, I've made major mistakes in my marriage. I've been in places where it's like, my wife probably had the right to go, dude, you're not holding up your end, this isn't gonna work for me unless you turn yourself around and get your stuff together, right? I think that there are reasons and there are times, and if someone isn't holding up their end, sometimes it can get so devastatingly damaging that you have no option, but in my opinion, that should be the last possible option, the absolute last resort, rather than breaking up a relationship, and not just a relationship, but what about your kids? And it's just gotten us into this place of we have broken relationships all over the place, we got broken family units all over the place, and then we wonder why society is is coming apart at the seams.
1: You know, you said something, Which I agree, it should be the absolute last option. And I think there's another contributing factor to that divorce rate is the seemingly endless options with the way social media is constructed and the internet and ease of access to other people. And the fact that all of these people are painting a picture online of living their best life it's very easy to become envious and think well my man's not holding up his end of the bargain. i'm gonna go ahead and find someone else i've got all these other people in my dms and this goes both ways men and women there's ease of access to everybody and instead of focusing on your relationship on your on your wife your significant other your family and putting your energy and effort into solving those problems and working through whatever your issues are it's just too easy to say, well, you know what? It's probably better over here. Let me start chatting up this person type of thing. And I think that's a big contributing factor because if you look at the divorce rate over time and then you overlay it over when social media started to really grow, there there is correlation. And I recognize that correlation doesn't always equal causation, but it is a strong correlation. 100%.
0: Um, options are a huge factor. I think, too, I, I love... <laughs> We need to bring back bullying, man. Like, I love that statement. There needs to be a level of shame brought back, just quite honestly. It's like, look, I'm leaving my wife. You know, it's not working out. Oh, okay, bro. That's, That's now the new response, right? Oh, okay. No, that's not okay. That's part of the problem here is we've made it okay. We're obsessed with being nice. We've become a virtue signaling society where, again, that word keeps popping up, nice, easy to get along with no confrontation. We don't want to have to hold anybody to the fire or deal with uh, conflict or losing a friend. And so we just abandon our values. We compromise and make it sound like we're okay with this thing. There needs to be some shaming brought back. There needs to be some accountability brought back, but options. Absolutely. And as a society though, it's not just the options. It's that we've gotten obsessed with being emotionally happy in the moment. We've gotten obsessed and complete. We've given ourselves over to what is making me happy right this second. I'm not willing to do anything difficult. If I don't feel good, if I don't feel in love, if I feel like I'm angry at my spouse, well now I just get to call it quits. And they go, the, the two things we're talking about fatherlessness, a lack of masculinity and this whole marriage thing, they're directly tied. Men, are supposed to teach their sons to do difficult things our society has gotten so easy now to where if i need to entertain myself or even entertain my children i just hand them an ipad i don't want to babysit my kids it's hard to manage them at home i understand man. i got two daughters 13 and nine when they were four and you know whatever it was four and seven or four four and nine or whatever it is the the gap the amount of talking and conversation like i get it they need stuff constantly but Now we've just got something like a public school system where we can just hand our kids off and go teach them. But the reality is they're not being taught. They're not just being taught, you know, educated. Their version of normal is being imposed upon them. Their version of normal is showing them what to believe and how to behave in the future. So we've completely abdicated our responsibility for even teaching our children how to push through adversity for good things. So now we're just in the process of I'm going to choose, What feels good now and what I want now rather than what I ultimately would love to have and the thing that is worth the work. We've completely gotten away from working for good things. What
1: do you think has caused this weakening of society as a whole? Is there one thing or is it a multitude of things that are contributing to this? I believe
0: that everything comes from one source. I mean, there are a number of things we could mention. Sure, I believe there's a war on masculinity, whether it be the clothes you're wearing that are affecting your hormones. People aren't even aware of, by the way, polyester is a, is a hormone and, and endocrine inhibitor. It will turn your testosterone to estrogen. And for you guys listening, it will give you boobs. It will make you more fearful. It will keep you from taking bigger risks and making stronger decisions and living on purpose, 100%. Our food is the same way my wife was just saying to me last night she's researching i mean we're health nuts it's all grass-fed meat organic we drink raw milk you know we rarely see doctors unless we absolutely have to because we've done so much research to understand our health and she's sitting here reading and going there is an absolute war on masculinity there is a war on men that's ongoing in our society it's obvious we were watching this video last night where i forget the guy's name but he was talking about how if you take a group of liberal men and I'm going to go there with the politics, it's the way it is, conservative men are more manly. I don't care what you say. Find me a lumberjack who's a liberal who wants their, their income redistributed. Go ahead. I'll wait. But if you inject liberal men with high doses of testosterone and pull them after, they all move to the right. It's, it's measured data. You cannot get away from it. I'll send you the guy's name. But when you inject men with testosterone, they actually become more right-leaning because it's about self-preservation. It's about self-provision. It's about independence. It's about self-sufficiency. Men who have high testosterone levels are strong decision makers. They understand what they want. They will not allow you to just push them around. Their sex drive goes up. Their willingness to fight goes up. Their willingness to stand firm goes up. So I believe there absolutely is a war on masculinity that's going around. So you could point to all these different factors, feminism, you know, the food supply, even the city water and what's in it that I refuse to drink or bathe in because of what's in it. Go ahead. Research it. There's a ton of, by the way, uh, birth control in the water that's doing stuff to you. It's weird. If your girl is even on, on birth control, you're getting a dose of that stuff. But ultimately all of this, everything in this world, comes down to one simple thing, and that is God and godlessness. What we have seen over the last few years, if you can't recognize it again, your head is buried too far in the sand. We are not dealing with left and right. We're not dealing with conservatism and liberalism. We are dealing with good and evil. There is no denying it. And this is something that I kept my mouth shut about for years until I saw the line in the sand back in 2020 and went, okay, This whole thing of choose a side is no longer an option. It's no longer a decision you can put off. you got to decide right now what you're going to serve. Are you going to serve truth or are you going to serve agenda? Are you going to serve righteousness or are you going to serve redistribution? What are we going to serve here? And so ultimately, all these values that we talk about come down to one thing. What do you believe about the world, about the spirit of man and about eternity? So I believe that this is a spiritual war that has existed since the beginning of time that is now beginning to show above the surface in all the physical world that we see. And a lot of people are being woken up to something is going on that goes deeper than just the just the physical realm. There is something spiritual to this. So I believe ultimately that the major attack on men and masculinity comes because man was made in the image of his creator. I'm, I'm a firm believer in the Bible. I read it on the daily. God, was not, God is not just some nice guy in the sky that gives you what you want when you pray. And Jesus was not some mealy-mouthed weakling who wouldn't say the truth. When we look at God and we look at the creator, God was a God of war. God, It says in the scripture, he, he crushes his enemies under his feet. When we look at who God is in his totality and we look at who Jesus Christ was in his totality and we go, if we were made in the image of God then I'm supposed to reflect that, then I believe the best way to get men to be controllable is to remove that aspect of reflecting our creator and reflecting our God.
1: Okay, Um, I'm making some notes here really quickly, but one of the things that really stood out with what you were just saying is that line in the sand. And for you, it was the pandemic. I think for a lot of people, it was the pandemic. And one of the things that I have seen over the years is it's a combination of the, the attack on masculinity, the, the weakening of men in society. And it seems that the line, wherever that line is for each individual person and whoever's pushing that line The easiest way to just keep moving it and moving it is you push all the way up to the point where you start feeling some significant resistance and then once you meet that resistance, you hold, you wait, you make that the norm, once it becomes the norm and accepted, you push the line a little bit farther and then you're going to meet some more resistance and then you hold and you wait and you wait. Once it becomes the norm, push it even further. On a long enough timeline, everybody looks up and thinks, how the hell did we get here? And I think that's what we're seeing. And when you have this war on masculinity, there's fewer and fewer men that are willing to actually step up and hold the line. Because they're afraid of losing things. They're afraid of being canceled. They're afraid of not being able to provide for their families. It's, it's absolutely crazy to see everything that's going on. So... How do we fix it?
0: Tolerance is overrated, my man. It's <laughs> one of my favorite sayings. It, it's way overrated, and but I think we have to get clear on what we're tolerating. A lot of the you know whatever red pill community and, likes to talk about feminism and how feminism is the enemy, and that's why society's feminized. I disagree. I think that it's the fault of men. If we're supposed to be the leaders of the family and the leaders of society, we cannot take you know the compliments when it's like you've done a great job at leading and then also not look at the other side when things go to crap and go, it's not my fault. Men have tolerated weakness. We have, And we've tolerated it first and foremost in ourselves. That's where it begins. You cannot win the war on the outside till you win the war on the inside. Everything about our lives, if you read any self-development book, anything about, from the scripture, you gotta conquer what's in here before you conquer anything that's outside. And everything on the outside is a complete reflection of what's happening on the inside. So first and foremost, we've tolerated stuff in our own lives we should not be tolerating, whether it be pornography, overspending, gambling, other sorts of addictions that just keep you happy in the moment. We've tolerated that within ourselves. And because we've tolerated that, the line continues to get pushed. I mean, look back at World War II. If you, I, my dad is a huge history buff, and he loves to talk about Winston Churchill. And now Winston Churchill recognized what Hitler was very early on. But what he recognized was that if you keep feeding this hungry dog and you keep giving up little portions of land and you keep giving him little concessions here and there, he's not going to become less hungry. He's just going to keep demanding more and more, just like the bully at school. If you don't punch him in the mouth or say no, you're going to have to fight that bully one time if you say no. If you say yes, every week, you're giving him a little bit more of your lunch money or what have you. And so we've got to get back to a place of understanding this is my line. And unless I hold it, someone else is going to continue pushing it but more importantly and and this is what drives me crazy specifically about men of faith is this whole thing about the virtue of being nice and agreeable and everyone liking you it's so held up as a virtue of society and men have been so feminized to where now that is the thing that we hold on to as the goal everyone liking us right we've got to get past that and get back to the truth is worth standing for righteousness and goodness is worth the cost of everything no matter what kind of conflict or cancellation comes Um, and we can't we cannot continue to play defense and I think that's the thing that drives me most crazy especially about faith-filled men is they go I'm just going to stand my ground what you saw in 2020 if it's not clear yet unless you impose your will and values upon the world the world will impose its world and it will impose its vision and values upon you and upon your children Someone is going to win. There will be an imposition, an imposition of values somewhere. We've seen over the last decade the imposition of the you know, LGB whatever alphabet community upon society. They attacked it in media. They've attacked it in school. They've attacked it in you know, writing and literature. They've attacked it in politics. They've attacked it everywhere. They've been aggressive about what they believe, and now 3% of the population controls 90% of the narrative. It's because they've been aggressive about what they believe, which really shows that they believe what they say they believe. If I believe what I say I believe, and if I truly believe it, then I will go around looking to impose that will and values and that uh, – what's the word I'm looking for? My manifesto maybe. You know, I've got to impose that on the world around me if I actually believe it. We've got to be about it. And so we've got to recognize that we are at war whether we like it or not the war within ourselves and the war outside of ourselves right now. And until we learn to embrace that and go, I've got to stop making peace with this and choosing comfort. I think we're going to be stuck exactly where we're at. And it's only going to get worse.
1: It is. and And you've touched on something that's just so crazy as far as that small percentage of the population that is completely dominating all aspects of all of our lives because people are afraid to push back. They're afraid of getting canceled. And that's just, it's absolutely crazy to see how many people fear you've got the vast majority of the population that doesn't think that way. They're being controlled by the three to 5% of people. And it's... I don't know, like I wouldn't, I would make the argument that that three to 5%, that small percentage, it's not that they're so strong and dominant that they're imposing their will on us. It's that, that they're hyper emotional and they cannot control themselves and people would rather just keep the peace and be nice. And that's how you lose ground over time.
0: It comes back to your father too. I mean, I, I even watch my, my daughters sometimes will push my wife to the limit. And then once in a while I have to go hey, you know, from the office and they hear the voice, they know that line does not get pushed any further, this is done, you need to retreat right now. You know, that's that's my role as a protector provider in my own home, but that's the way it has to be in society too. And it is really interesting, you talk about the 3%, you know, we've got, you know, the people that call themselves patriots rolling around here in Texas, in North Texas, where I'm at, and they've all got that 3 percenter sticker on the back of their car. 3% of this nation, well, it, it's, it's estimated that about 3% of the men in this nation, even during the American Revolution, were the ones who were willing to actually pick up arms and go to war. It's only 3% of the population. It really shows you what is possible when a very, very small group of people are willing to get on the same page, the same mission, have the same vision, and go about creating it very aggressively. And, you know, it is fear. Like, that's ultimately what it is, right? It's, one if one person stands up, They're made an example of so that everybody else goes, well, it happened to him. It could happen to me. So it keeps everybody in line. Right. And I'm kind of at that place where I'm going, I just don't care anymore because the future that I see, if I don't stand up is worse than what could happen to me. If I do stand up, you're going to end up enslaved one way or the other. So why not fight for the good?
1: I see so many people. Um, okay, maybe so many is strong. I've seen people that work for companies that are just going hardcore into embracing all of the the alphabet letters and 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 diversity and things like that. And there, it's it's almost like the pendulum is swinging too far. And you see, because I'm responsible for leading HR, and it's it's challenging to watch people that are pretty usually, well, usually amenable to conversations and live and let live and and all that thing. But whenever things are being imposed on them that they're not comfortable with, if they actually raise their hand and it's like, ah, actually, I'm not really comfortable with this person acting this way or talking this way to me, but that person happens to be in the alphabet letter, the person who's raising their hand saying, I'm not comfortable, they're the one that gets their hand slapped and so you see people that they're just trying to provide for their family they don't want to lose their job they're afraid of getting canceled or getting their hand slapped for saying the wrong thing so how do we actually get more men to step into that masculine frame how do we get more men to get comfortable with the thought of adversity and overcoming challenges and providing for their family and not have to having to rely on this this job at a company that doesn't necessarily have morals and values that align with theirs. Whether we like
0: it or not, the world being the way it is, it doesn't just rely, well, I guess if you break it down really primitively, everything comes down to force, right? I mean, why do you pay your taxes? (laughs) (laughs) You know what I'm saying? You don't pay it because you want to hand 30% of your income to the government. You do it because you're under threat of violence. Someone's going to make you. So, you know, I like to point out that if you want a bazooka, you actually have the ability to keep it if you can defend your right to keep it. The law has no bearing on it. It's whether or not you can keep the law from taking it from you. You know, So ultimately, everything does come down to force. And so the way that I like to think about that, especially in today's day and age, is everything is forced by money. That's, that's the bottom line, right? And that's one reason I really wanted to talk to you about this stuff, because I believe that entrepreneurs are the leaders of today's society. Ultimately, with even what we saw in 2020, big pharma, everything, who's controlling government policy? The big businesses with the money. Who's controlling the decision of the guy who doesn't want to wear a mask? It doesn't want to get vaccinated, yet he goes and does it. It's the company that's paying his paycheck. So how do you remain free? And that's ultimately a big part of what made me do what I do. You know, I don't even call myself a life coach. I guess that's what I do because I work with men in the totality of their lives. I help them with their marriages and children and money. But the biggest reason men started coming to me at the very beginning was because I was standing in a building with a rifle while it was being marched around in Seattle in in 2020. I called up the wife and said, we're leaving. We're not going to do this. I'm not participating here. And, man, I'm sure millions of people felt the same way. As a matter of fact, I met hundreds of them on the road. I thought I was unique doing it, and there's so many people doing the same thing. But I sold everything I owned out of my driveway in under four weeks. And then I bought a truck and a trailer, and I traveled the country for a year and a half looking for what felt like home. You would have been shocked, by the way, at how many people did the exact same thing I did. Actually, we got introduced by somebody who actually did the exact same thing who I talked with a couple of weeks ago. Um, and so I started getting all these calls from men going, how are you doing this? How are you able to say no? How are you able to say whatever you want to say on the Internet? How are you able to just float around the country looking for home and t- making this an adventure for your family instead of a miserable experiment? And I went, well... I got a business that pays the bills. I've got income that allows me to not have to do that. I have set my my life up in a way where, for lack of a better term, I am ungovernable. I can't be told what to do because I've got the things in place that keep me from having to behave like that. And, you know, guys that I I think this is really interesting and we never talk about it, never think about it. How many people were employees during the time of the Revolutionary War? There weren't many right? It was men who grew their own food. It was men who knew the borders of their own land. It was men who owned their own businesses. That's where the freedom comes from in many ways. I think ultimately the freedom that I have comes from inside knowing that I bow to one king and none other. So to me, I don't care what you say. I'm going to do what God tells me. And so I'm uncontrollable anyway. But in the practical world, I sincerely believe that one of the best things that we can do from a practical perspective is get our money, our businesses, our income and our relationships right. We have been very unorganized. Uh, people with our values have been very disconnected. We haven't gone about taking this as seriously as we should. And the other part of it is what you're seeing now where people are going, OK, I'm getting pushed to this limit. I'm now I'm not pushing back. I think that people with our values have to begin taking the financial war seriously. One of my favorite things to say, and and I'll be speaking about this next month is I'm teaching, I'm doing a teaching on wealth warfare. You cannot win wars without war chests, whether you like it or not. You cannot be enslaved to an employer who's then beholden to stockholders who are going to do whatever it takes to get that nice DEI score to get their, you know, their funding and their loan. You're not going to be able to stand up against it by being employed by it and being dependent upon it because then it's dangled the paycheck out in front of you. Some of you people listening have been there. Here's the paycheck. You're going to do what I say in order to get it. There is only one way out of that. You can't be dependent upon them. You need to become dependent upon your own gifting, upon your own will, upon your own effort. And so that's where I believe it. In many ways, it begins and ends. The leaders of today and the future are entrepreneurs, the creators and the shapers of society.
1: Talk to me about Freeman oh, Ford. Is, this is the fun
0: part. Twenty twenty three. I, I told you. I mean, you know my story, my background. I'm, I'm not, I'm not being told what to do. And 2020, I started getting guys calling me, and going, "Can you help me with my business? Can you help me with my life? My family is falling apart with all this COVID stuff, the lockdowns, the money. I don't know what to do." And so I said, "Great. I'm, I'm just going to start coaching men." And so I started working with men one on one, and and helping them develop their lives and businesses. But the biggest thing that I dealt with and many people listening dealt with in 2020 2021 was a deep sense of loneliness. Who am I supposed to link arms with? Who do I fight next to? I think a lot of men who wanted to fight back were sitting there going I, I want to, but I don't even know how. I don't know who to stand with and whether it's me or anybody else. It's not fun standing alone by yourself on the battle lines looking at the enemy in the eyes, feeling like you're the only guy. It's no no fun being in a foxhole by yourself. And so I had this deep sense of loneliness in me, but then traveling across the country for a year and a half and dealing, talking with all these guys and helping them in their lives one-on-one virtually, every single man that I was talking to came away with the same response. I am deeply lonely and I don't know where the men are who are strong, who are convicted, and who will actually stand by me and help me stand. And so I was actually in the mountains of Tennessee uh, with my family right around October. By the way, the most beautiful time in Tennessee is September, October every year. If you've never been out, it's incredible. But I had a vision that I believe God gave me where he was telling me, you cannot just stop and do this one-on-one stuff. You can't just do your small entrepreneurs group. You need to take this to the masses. You need to create a way for men of shared values to link arms, link hands, and to begin fathering one another and helping each other learn how to stand by helping each other grow. And so I had this vision in my mind of men of shared values up in the mountains, having a bit of a, you know, I don't even want to use the word retreat because it sounds so passive. But I believe God told me, Gabe, you need to go create this. You need to go shape something where men are being taught the skills, the tools, uh, the tactics to be able to shape the world. And so what I did was I created an event called Freeman Forge. We're going to be doing them all over the country, but our inaugural event is actually in two weeks. I believe we're 13 days away right now. It's going to be in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. You can find out everything you need to know at freemenforge.com. And essentially what this is, is an equipping and activating weekend for men. I'll talk just about the features for a moment, but we have got an incredible lineup of speakers coming out. We got people flying in from out of country. We got speakers coming from all over the country. We're talking we just announced TJ Visyode the other day and this guy runs the fastest growing homestead real estate company in the world. He buys up 100-acre parcels at a time, finds 10 families with shared values and he has everybody put down money on a 10-acre parcel and he will build you a homestead with a working profiting farm, even if you have no experience and you'll be able to get a home and a family compound for a fraction of the price, you would be able to do it on your own. This guy's going to come out and teach us the tools and tactics for what to do next with your home, with building a sustainable community. We've got a guy coming from one of my mentors flying out from Calgary up in Canada who runs a $133 million a year company who's going to be teaching men about entrepreneurship, sales, financial independence. We've even got a homeschool expert coming in to teach you the practical steps of how to pull your children out of the public school system and be able to educate them at home without trying to mimic the system that makes you feel like it would be a burden. And additionally, we have other practical tools. we got a course called Practical Violence, where we got a Brazilian jiu-jitsu instructor coming all the way out from North Carolina. He's going to be teaching us hand-to-hand combat. we got a rifle course, a pistol course. We even built a shoot house with entry doors, hallways, you know, living rooms, bathrooms, bedrooms, to be able to teach men how to clear a home in an emergency. So we are taking an entire weekend of teaching men how to make money, how to educate, how to network, how to fight, how to defend. We are trying to take every aspect of faith-led masculine leadership and we're combining it and packing it all into this power-packed weekend where men can walk away knowing exactly what to do next. And those are the outcomes we're looking for. Men that come to this event, it's not just about getting an emotional high. I'm someone who got very, very sick of church retreats very quickly because I don't want to sing songs in the woods for three days. I came out here to meet other guys. My wife accuses me all the time. She goes, you do what you do because you just want to smoke cigars, shoot guns and eat meet with guys in the woods. And I was like, you're right. I just want a dude friends to hang out with. But the outcome that we're really searching for here we don't want men walking out and we've all experienced, right? We've all been to those weekends where we feel hyped. We feel emotional. We feel like, yes, I'm gonna go do this tomorrow. You feel like you're going to take the world by the horns. You're gonna you know, force it into your into submission. And then Monday hits. What do I do now? I've been doing the same thing for 20 years. So my habits, patterns, relationships, my circle of friends is still what it was. And so now my environment is encouraging me to be the exact same and what practical tools did I walk away with? Did I walk away with an emotional high? Or did I walk away with knowing exactly what to do now to change my future, to change the trajectory of my life, and to change the legacy that I will leave behind? And so what we have done is not just packed in speakers and you know, an animal-based diet, grass-fed, no GMOs or seed oils on site, by the way, the entire weekend. But we're not just packing in all of these, these features What we are wanting to do is drive men toward relationship with one another, with other men who share their values, who will do life with them. And so you come to this event, you will not just walk away and be on your own. Every attendee that's here is approved by us, it's invite only, you gotta fill out an application, you gotta speak with someone on our team, they make sure that you're a right fit for it, and then we extend an invite. Every guy that has extended an invite to this weekend will be included in our online community. Our online community is made up of entrepreneurs it's made up of incredible artists people with incredible connection and history and what they do but we are trying to drive relationships where men can actually create a new normal that you can have a circle of friends and high-level achievers around you that will not allow you to live at the level which you've been living at and we've seen incredible stuff already come from this all of my one-on-one clients They were all doing amazing. Look, we're getting good results and that's great. But the second that I put them together in a container where they're not just talking about goals, it's not just accountability, this is what's going on in my life. This is what's going on with my wife. This is what's going on in my sex life and my children and the struggles that I'm dealing with and the pains and my fears. And it has completely changed the lives of the men in this group by giving them a new normal to connect with. We had our group call this morning and I had a guy in the group go, I have like five brothers guy one of 10 kids. He said, I don't have these conversations with my own brothers. They don't know what I'm doing on a day to day basis. I'm in here every morning and every evening speaking with you guys individually. We're encouraging each other. We're holding each other's feet to the fire and the collaborations that take place with the kind of relationships are amazing. As a matter of fact, we have given instructions to every single registrant for this event. Do not just show up with clothing to work out in, to shoot guns in, to roll around in the mud in, to do ice baths in. You need to show up with clothing, with an outfit, with business cards, and you better look like you are worth investing in, like you are worth doing business with. So we have created high level networking times for men to come and actually get clients where a lot of businesses or a lot of events would have something that would restrict you from being able to network with other people and sell. We're doing this with intention. We're not interested in fighting over scraps. We're not interested, and I love the conversation you and I had the other day. I'm not interested in any sort of competition. I'm interested in moving the flag forward and in moving the mission forward. And so we've got a lot of guys even on this roster who would be seen in, by most people as, well, you're competitors. What are you doing in the same event? Because this isn't a competition. This is war. And unless we get on the same side very, very quickly and begin moving forward, we're going to have a very heavy price to pay. And so we want men doing business. We want men landing clients. We want men getting these deep relationships because ultimately the relational circle that you are in, the room that you are in, will determine the level of success you have in your life, the level of freedom you have in your life, and the quality of relationships you'll have in your life. Everything, as far as I'm concerned, is about relationship. And I think the one of the coolest aspects of this too is not just relationship with the other attendees, but the coaches, speakers, and trainers that are there are also going to be coming into this group to regularly father. You asked what the, what the solution is. It's fathering. We've got to begin fathering again. We've got this word leadership that everybody likes. But that word used to be fathering. That's what it is. And by the way, you don't have to be fathered by your blood. You're a perfect example. I have been fathered by men who are 10 years younger than I am in certain aspects of business, life, self-defense that I am just not as proficient in. We can all be fathered and we can all father. And that's what this is about is men need to link arms again. They need to begin fighting side by side and they need to begin holding themselves and each other to a higher standard. And that's what we're trying to do.
1: Man, I love what you are doing and you can see and feel the passion and energy that you have I cannot wait to see what this turns into. I know this is going to be your inaugural event, and you and I already had a conversation about your next event. It's going to be up in the North Texas area. So unfortunately, I can't make it to this event that you're having here in a couple of weeks because of my ankle. The next one, I'm there.
0: No, man, we would love to have you out. It would be incredible, and, and you're the kind of guy that we're looking for. We want men who recognize what's going on, but more importantly, we want men who not just recognize it, but are doing what needs to be done. And what needs to be done right now is it needs to be talked about.
1: This event, I'm super excited for you. I I wish I could make it. I'm definitely gonna hit you up for your next event. Keep in touch with me. Let me know when that is. I will be in attendance. So what is the best way for people to contact you?
0: If you're interested in attending the event, just get to freemenforge.com. Whether you use the www or not is up to you, but freemenforge.com and you can schedule a call with one of our interviewees, with one of our interview team members. If you want to get in touch with me, the best place to find me right now is Instagram. I got zucked in 2020 really hard. So uh, Instagram is the place I've been playing and getting my following back. And you can just find me at Forger of Men. If you want to follow the company and also the event hub, that is at Free Men Forge. Um, That's the best place to find us. Reach out to me, by the way. I'm not somebody that, that ignores messages. I love conversing with people and relationships are are my favorite thing about the world. I'm a connector and a gatherer of people. It's what I love to do. And so please reach out to me if you want to know more. And also not just about the event, but if you are looking to uplevel your life, if you want to grow a business, if you want to become ungovernable, this is what I do. All I do is I help men forge themselves into self-governed leaders who have their money, their relationships, and their lives in order. So I would love to hear from
1: you. We need more men doing exactly what you're doing. So thank you for everything that you're doing for for yourself, for your family, for all of these men that you're working with. And I'm looking forward to seeing the incredible things that you come up with and what you accomplish and build. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we will make sure to have all of the contact information for Gabe, for the event. Everything will be down in the show notes below. Please share this with your network. Whenever you're listening to this or watching it on YouTube, please share it with other men because we need to get this message out there. This is something that more men need to be aware of. So let's spread the word as much as possible. Gabe, thank you so much for being a guest on the show and y'all have a good one.